only 20% of females will get orgasm from penetrative sex alone. 20%. 80% don't. What do they need? Touching, kissing, foreplay. And foreplay is not just about your tongue and fingering or whatever. It's flowers a month ago. It's a dinner. It's a discussion. It's so important glad you were saying this. I'm so glad you were saying this, not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is data, darling. This is data. But I'm just saying, but it's so important for us to remember that it's not just about putting a penis inside a vagina or an anus or whatever. It's about the whole experience that you're having. And that is why you have to take care of your partner if you're in a relationship, but also take care of yourself by making sure that your mental health is in a good space so that you can make sure that you are taking care of not only yourself, but your partner. Welcome to Asking for a Friend, the podcast that covers all those topics you may want to know more about, but might feel a lot of shame in asking. I'm your host, Katrina Buffard, and I'm a clinical sexologist, psychotherapist, speaker, and sexuality researcher. This week's episode is sponsored by And Bam. Erectile dysfunction can be awkward to talk about, which makes it more challenging to treat. And BAM connects you with the doctor, and if suitable, ships prescription treatment plans discreetly to your door. So you can stop whispering erectile dysfunction at the pharmacy counter. Visit andbam.care, that's A-N-D-B-A-M dot C-A-R-E, and use the code Katrina at checkout for a 50 Rand doctor's consult and 30% off your first shipment. If you've ever listened to South African radio, you are likely to recognize the voice of my next guest. Shingai Mutambira is a professor of urology and head of department of urology at Dr. George Mukuri Academic Hospital and Sefaho Mahato Health Sciences University in Pretoria, South Africa, where he teaches post and undergraduate medical and urology students. He's an esteemed published author and a well-known voice in South African media on topics relating to men's health. To dive right into this really important topic, when I approached you as a guest for the podcast, one of the things I, I said to you in the email was that my experience as a psychosexual therapist with men is that they would far rather go and see the doctor, get medication and be done with it and move on from it. And when I've had doctors like yourself referring patients to me, there's often a great sense of reluctance among male patients. And I'd love to dive into why that is. Uh, no, uh, thanks for having me as well. But I, I think it even goes even further than that. I don't even think that uh, a lot of guys feel comfortable to go to their healthcare providers for treatments and for assessments. Uh, they're far more likely to go to the bar and talk to their buddies about their sexual problems, if, if they're even lucky to do that. Or usually it's going to be boasting that, no, they're doing something specific, even if they know there's a problem. And I think that's probably the most uh, troublesome thing about guys is that we don't actually make time for ourselves to actually understand that we, are, we, we also can fail. There are things that can happen. I mean, we know that, for example, the 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 commonest uh, sexual dysfunction for guys is actually premature ejaculation, uh, which, by definition, and of course, we used to say it was uh, either uh, before penetration or within thirty seconds of penetration. But 
we now uh, we have changed it with the with the diagnostic and statistical manual to what the person feels comfortable because the point is it's about their understanding. So, eighty percent of guys, eighty percent of guys get uh, premature ejaculation at some stage in their life, and. A lot of guys think that sexual dysfunctions are actually Mickey Mouse conditions that they're not really useful. They're just for me. I've got it's only me who's got a problem. This, that, and the other. But the reality is, we know that the vast majority of them do have some underlying organic or underlying medical issue that's going on there that can be addressed. And uh, for example, with premature ejaculation, we know that the majority of guys who have premature ejaculation it's because of a low uh, chemical in the brain called serotonin. And we often use uh, off-label or depending, there's some countries which have some specific um, antidepressants in inverted commas, they're not being used as antidepressants to help with that. But I think when guys realize that they've got those problems, we've got problems with erections. I mean, the best erections for guys 18 to 22 um, me, I'm not that far from 22. I'm just a, <laughs> well, doubly okay. But anyways, neither here nor there. Neither here nor there. Neither here nor there. <laughs> not at all. But I mean, when you consider that, by the time a guy reaches 30, about 20% of guys are having problems with maintaining their erections. And by the way, uh, guys think that erections are the only important thing. It's not just that; it's also the ejaculation. It's also the feelings of having sex. But even more important, if you're in a, 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 a consensual relationship, it's about making sure your partner's happy. And guys rarely ever talk to their partners, whether it be either a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever. They rarely, rarely talk. They just assume things. So I think we have to remember that, guys, it's not Mickey Mouse. We There's issues, 30, 20% of guys, 40, half of guys are going to be having a problem with their erections. And... By the way, just to take a quick step back, it's not that if you're having uh, erection, if it fails once or, or you ejaculate quickly once, that's what, but no, everyone has a failure sometimes in their lives. But it's if it's consistent and if it's bothersome, consistency and bothersome and consistency for, our th- for, for, for the listeners tonight, three months. If you're having three months of continuous problems with premature ejaculation, if you're having three months of consistently not getting sufficient erections to have adequate sex with whether it be penetrative or whatever if you're having three months of not feeling like having sex you don't you lost complete interest you should get yourself checked out and for many reasons besides the fact that it's very common as i said the most important thing is that it's actually got underlying problems a cardiovascular condition you're going to get you're, you're predisposed to getting a heart attack a stroke loss of limb Erections, all they are, are increased blood flow to the penis. Increased blood flow to the penis. There are only three erectile tissues in the body. Uh, There's a penis. There's the nasal cavities. That's why a lot of guys get the stuffy noses when they have orgasm. And women as well, because the third erectile tissue is actually the clitoris. And uh, we've, we've got medical data to show that clitoris is exactly the same length as the penis, exactly the same, not as thick, but maybe but, but exactly the same length. And maybe we'll come to that in a little bit later. But the whole point is when you get an erection, all that's happening is you're getting blood flow into the penis. And it's necessary for a number of reasons. Uh, we actually have three different types of erections. Uh, one is the psychogenic, the one we, which everyone sees and, and thinks is the only one that happens, uh, whatever, where you feel sexually stimulated, it sends a signal down through a nerve 
the pudendal nerve to make the blood vessels increase the amount of what we call nitric oxide, which then increases blood. The second is a reflexogenic, where because uh, we know that uh, paraplegic men are usually relatively young because of the accidents, and again, that's an example of why uh, guys we don't take our health seriously, we need to be less more careful with our health. But anyways, if you are paraplegic, you can still 80, 75, 80 percent of guys get erections, and how they usually do it is by pinching the tip of the penis or pinching the inside anus or part, part of the anus which causes what we call the bulbocavernosis reflex, which then increases blood. And they, they, it works very well for them and they can have sex. And the third one is what we call nocturnal erections. And uh, a lot of guys don't realize that uh, uh, little baby boys uh, are getting more erections than you because they have nocturnal erections. They're getting between 12 and 15 per day, usually during the night. And all of this is about increasing oxygen, decreasing carbon dioxide. It's very important. But when you consider that a guy, as we get older, 40, 50%, as it gets older, it gets more. If you have diabetes, if you have hypertension, if you have sugar, uh, sugar diabetes, it's all about damage to the inside coating of our blood vessels, which we call the endothelium. It's like a skin covering inside the blood vessels. I always say to my patients that sugar diabetes is not about sugar. High blood pressure is not about pressure. High cholesterol, it's not about cholesterol. What it is, is that the high cholesterol is damaging the inside coating of your blood vessels, which is making them get smaller so the blood and oxygen can't go through. Hypertension, it's a sheer force, which is damaging the endothelium, the inside coating, the skin covering, causing it to thin, you get damage. So all of these need to be treated, but erectile dysfunction particularly is a cardiac vascular disease because the main blood vessel to go back where I've been going off on tangent here, the main blood vessel to the penis is slightly smaller than the main blood vessel to the heart. And the heart one is slightly smaller than the main blood vessel to the brain, the carotid. And the brain one is slightly smaller than the main blood vessel to the leg. So if you get a problem, and get some the endothelium gets damaged and your the blood tube gets smaller. The first organ that's going to get blockage is the penis. So if you've got a back blockage to the penis, three months consistent, remember, we all have failures. Your next step is going to be a heart attack, a stroke, a loss of limb. So I think, first of all, the most important take-home message I think for everybody is that sexual function general health, cardiovascular disease, cancer, by the way, because cancer and cardiovascular disease are like twins as well. If you have a heart attack, you're more likely to have cancer. If you have cancer, you're more likely to get a heart attack. They're all, everything is so interrelated that I think it's important for everyone to remember that every aspect of our sexual health impacts on our general health and our general health impacts on our sexual health. Guys in general, we're just a little bit silly. We don't um, take our health very seriously. We, in fact, we see our, our healthcare providers five times less in our lives than females, which is one of the reasons why we live at least five, five years young. We die five years younger than our, our, our partners. And we need to start pulling out the big five. But the big five are so important. One, stress, getting rid of stress, talking to people, making sure that you understand, talk to your partner, Talk to yourself. 
make sure that you just take care of your health. And if you're under pressure or stress, do something about it as well. And one of the biggest stresses of sexual dysfunction, we've got data to show that uh, stress releases chemicals into the bloodstream, which are also damaging the endothelium. It's causing damage to the cytokines, these other things. So get rid of stress and have a discussion. Talk about your sexual activities. Discuss with your partner, see what's happening. Second, diet. And diet is not that difficult to deal with. It's about numbers of calories. Uh, it's not that tight. You can have a, a, a huge bag of low-fat chips. It's going to be worse than a small piece of steak with a bit of fat on it. So the numbers of calories cut back on the numbers. Three, exercise. And again, simple, simple. We've got data because I'm a scientist, so I have to base it on randomized control trials, which is obviously got those own issues. But studies from the University of Birmingham, which were randomizing guys to three uh, cohorts. One was uh, uh, take an hour, 20 minutes of exercise three times a week. Why one hour, 20 minutes? Because uh, after one hour, 20 minutes, uh, there's an increase of a uh, hormone in your body called cortisol, which can actually make you age. So it's probably a bit counterproductive if you're doing that regularly. If you're doing it once in a while, it's not a bad thing. But even then, as long as you do exercise, it's cool. Second, 20 minutes, three times a week of exercise. And the third was high-intensity intervals training, where you do 20 seconds of sprinting, oh, rest for 20 seconds, at least it's sprinting, or, or rowing, or whatever you feel like doing. Outcomes between the three groups, the same. For cardiovascular health, the same. You really don't need to do too much to make that change. Fourth is smoking. And I don't want to pontificate, but it's the most important social decision you can make. Uh, somebody told me the other day that if, if you are a smoker and you do it per correctly, smoke per correctly, uh, half of the people who smoke correctly will die from their, from their cigarettes. Uh, it's not to say that you, if I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm not pontificating on this, but it's so important for you to recognize that it increases the risk of essentially every disease across the board, every disease. And it doesn't matter a little bit, if any amount is a problem, please, if you can stop or better and still it, don't and start. If I can interject, is that vaping yeah. as well as smoking cigarettes? Vaping has less information, but the point is that it's there's there's data now to show that it increases the risk of of heart attacks as well. It's not a safe option just because you're having less of the tar and things doesn't make it a safer option. And I always like to tell the, the young when I go to schools and I talk, I said, "Why are you taking uh, putting something into your lungs when you when oxygen is supposed to be there?" And on top of that, it's costing you an arm and a leg. So it doesn't make sense, but the dangers of vaping are there as well. And there's actually some evidence also to include that there's an increase in some sort of uh, some forms of dementia and things like that. In some long. The short answer is that you tried, if you are doing any of these things, try to limit them or even better, just don't do them. It's really uh, playing into the hands of the capitalists, actually, because people are making money, but we're all making money, so it's fine. I, I, think, the short I think you have to be is, very careful. The short answer is just don't do it. Don't do it. Don't smoke. Yes, don't, don't do, do it. it. Just do it. Don't smoke it. Don't smoke it. Which brings us to the, the fifth one, which is what Barbara Bush said. Uh, don't do drugs. If you do drugs, drugs are bad. You'll be bad. Oh, that's nonsense. The reality, again, is that the majority of a lot of substances in excess and again, I take smoking out of this because smoking in any amount is dangerous. But 
we've got various data about whether alcohol in excess is, we know alcohol in excess is a problem. Alcohol in small quantities is apparently can be safe. We know that, 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 uh, the, the, the French, um, paradox where the French eat so much fatty foods, but they don't get fat because they think because it's of uh, red wine and which contains resveratrol, which is like the youth thing. The reality is that most of the data is so conflicting and the reality again is that probably and i do drink so i i give my 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 disclosure but the point is that probably not drinking is just it doesn't make your it may probably is just as having a little bit of drink is not as is it's not a better thing than not drinking at all so i i any amount of any sort of substance is a problem and that includes other drugs as well for example um, we know that uh, cannabis, for example, is such a godsend for many of my cancer patients. Uh, it, it improves their outcomes, their, their nausea, their proves that even overall survival in some of our trials, it's been the, uh, but again, it's, it's in excess as well. I mean, we have to know, we have to balance. Similarly, any other type of drug, I, I, I really don't, I, I, I think we, there are dangerous ones, the ones that particularly get addictive, for example, uh, heroin and, uh, and, and, uh, and 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 crack and those sort of things, which essentially the first time you try it, you you you've got a very good chance you'll be addicted for the rest of your life. And uh, I, I I always say that it, it it's it's about choices. A choice without consequences is no choice at all. So if you decide to choose that, that's fine, but you must know that there are consequences. And each drug in excess or even in minor amounts can be dangerous so just be careful and if you are in any of those uh, if you follow those big five as a general rule uh, you'll be saving your heart you'll be saving your brain from a stroke you'll be saving yourself from cancer and you'll be saving your sexual life because sexual life is based on the same principles as the rest of general health mm. you've said so much so let me uh, let me reflect on some of the things that you have said and, and taking it right back to where we started about men avoiding dealing with healthcare concerns in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I can even say with my own partner, there's been a lot of nagging to get something that's been bothering him seen to. A lot of nagging. I'm the first person to say, okay, something doesn't feel right. I should probably see somebody about this. For example, I thought a filling was coming out the other day. What did I do? I made an appointment with the dentist. I saw the dentist. It was all fine. Problem resolved. But yes, what I see with men is there tends to be a, a propensity to suffer longer. And I'm, go I, I'm, I, I don't, I'm careful when I use those words, but at the same time, yeah. I'm choosing to use them. There is this attitude around it will be fine. It will go away. I don't need to bother about it. I don't need to bother anyone else about it. But also I think a particular belief that exists within the male population around, I should just be able to get on with it. I should just be able to cope with the situation. Yeah. That I see very often when I'm obviously working with men in my, in my mm. therapy room, they hold very particular beliefs about what they should or shouldn't be able to do, particularly around their sexual functioning. Mm -hmm. And when you said that, you know, 80% of men will experience premature ejaculation, and this is the most common of all the, the sexual dysfunctions, what also stood out for me was how you were talking about sexual prime, you know, 18 to, to 20s, mid-20s. 
And I think that something that can be so shocking and so jarring and upsetting for young men is experiencing a sexual difficulty like premature ejaculation, like erectile dysfunction, and thinking that there's something wrong with them, where it's actually not uncommon for a man at any stage to experience something like that. But then to come to another point you made, it's how long that perpetuates for and how much distress that is causing the person, how bothersome that is. And you and I both know that even with the the organic cause to a sexual difficulty, nine times out of 10, there is then a psychological element that develops. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that there's always an cycle. aspect. Yeah, right. always an aspect. Always. That, that anxiety cycle perpetuates and mm. the, the fear cycle starts, which is I fear I'm going to struggle to get the erection the next time. So then the next time comes around and I can't get an erection. So then I tell myself, then the next time I have sex is going to be bad. So I fear that today it's going to be bad. And so we, we go through the cycle. While I'm on the topic of erections, something was very interesting in, a, in an academic meeting last week. A question was posed to the group. We are a, a multidisciplinary team of, of physiotherapists, psychologists, and doctors. And a question was posed by our guest speaker of what does an erection mean? What is that? And I was the only one in the group who answered to say, in my mind, an erection is a physiological response. That's it. That's all it is. But it's so interesting how much, how, oh, let me, let me rather say, it's so interesting how far away my definition was from everybody else's definition. It, it equates to success. It equates to power. It equates to dominance. Mm. All of these very interesting meanings that men have attributed or women, they were answering these questions as well, have attributed what an erection means. And you spoke there about little boys getting erections. They do. It's a physiological response. Mm -hmm. A lot of parents are horrified when I tell them, oh, they tell me they're expecting a boy. And I tell them, oh, you better expect some erections then. (laughs) They get like an absolute jarring look on their face, a jarred look on their face. But Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, what has been your experience in, in how men perceive their functioning sexually? Do they see it as this totally entwined thing with their masculinity? Because I think I'm very unusual in thinking of it just as a physiological response. I think think they're also correct, but you're also correct. What I think is important to remember is that it is a physiological response. But like you said, the psychological aspects are huge. And to increase the, I mean, uh, as I said, the majority of, of erectile dysfunctions, particularly, uh, and premature ejaculations do have some underlying organic reason. But that, the only reason why a person would come to complain about their erections is because they're psychologically stressed about it already. So it's all interrelated. And the stress part, like I said earlier, that's exactly the same sort of stuff that's going to be causing a problem. So I think for guys particularly, because we think that everything is about between our legs and, and, and making sure that it's it's big and it's or it's it's big thing. And by the way, just as a side thing, your penis is normal sized. Okay. The, the, your penis is normal sized. It's about how you use it. You can go look into the bathroom and checking out other people's uh, penises while you're painting a pee. 
uh, if you know physics, you know that the angles are going to be there. And I'm, if I'm not mistaken, you're not trying to have sex in the bathroom there. So anyways, the point, some people do. I, I think I've done that once in, my, once, in my, once or twice in my life. But that's not the point. The thing, the thing is that it's about us stopping to think that sexuality is just about you yourself because you have to if you do have a partner that's important and by the way there's nothing wrong with being pleasuring yourself and being with yourself you don't need to have a partner but if you do have a partner you have to interact there's intimacy these things and this whole idea even when you're saying it katrina i mean when you consider for example rape rape we know is not a sexual thing it's a power thing it's an anger thing and similarly we're doing the same thing when we generally talk to our buddies and things oh no it's i'm so powerful i can do this to my partner that's actually a bit scary in some ways you need to balance the way you are dealing with your sexuality with your partner if you are in a in a, in a partnership of any sort i think it's a really really important point and as a woman i can speak to that being on the receiving end of that power dynamic but again to reiterate the point of erections being a physiological response we know that so many men who are raped or sexually assaulted have erections when they get assaulted and it is so shaming it creates so much shame in them and the meaning of that what what why did my body do that my body let me down did i like that did i enjoy it because of the way we associate erections to arousal and erections to wanting to have sex yeah, yeah, the whole point is that, that it will make, I'll make it even simple, that sexuality is a biological, psychological, social, cultural, interrelationship mix. So we know that if a guy, for example, I said physiologically, if a guy gets manipulated on the penis by somebody, another guy or by anybody, or has a, a, a an erection put in the in the in the anus that causes a reflex which can cause you a problem so i think we have to back off from that and stop thinking that we're the only that with with we're somehow supposed to be super people as super guys women are much more clever we know they know full well that they 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 interact with each other they take care of each other guys in general we're just usually just talking nonsense to each other so as a general rule, take it easy. There's always going to be something that happens in life that you think or feel uncomfortable with. Find out why it's uncomfortable and then deal with that. But don't be stressing yourself, even if you get under, by the way, rape for men, it's the same as for females. You must please get that perpetrator dealt with. There's, there's no excuse for rape. But the thing is that don't be stressing too much. Even if, if a guy, and a lot of guys, even just watching, Porn, you might get turned on by a guy's thing and you're hetero, you're straight, in inverted commas. It's relax, 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 relax. You have to take yourself, don't think, consider that these once-off or two-offs or even 10-offs or 100-offs are a problem. Base yourself on what you feel comfortable about. If you don't feel comfortable about something, that's when you definitely need to go and see you, Katrina, because you need a psychological assessment, which is, again, just to take a, a, another step back, Guys consider psychiatric condition psychology as such a stigma. It's a terrible thing. I'll repeat, stress, underlying problems, marital problems, interrelationship problems are causing you 
to get sexual problems, get heart attacks, get strokes, loss of limbs. It's not a stigma. It's a perfectly important, it's, it's one of the most important aspects of our general health. So I really just, please, if you need to go and see a psychologist or a psychiatrist, relax. It's normal. In fact, you'll be surprised that some data shows that about 70 to 80% of people need to see a psychologist in general, and only less than half of them are actually seeing them, which is causing you to get heart attacks, strokes, loss of limb, erectile dysfunction, sexual problems. Please don't be stressing about going to see psychologists or psychiatrists. No, I can I can um, re reiterate that. Please don't stress about mm. it. It's actually quite good for your health. Mm. Go and do it. As a global population, so quick to offer kindness and support to somebody who can visibly show an injury, but yeah. when we've got a mental health concern, we're not so quick to show that compassion to others or yeah. to ourselves. And I think exactly. that is where men do fall short compared to women is that they don't they don't tap into the compassion that we may show to others when it comes to their own health issues that it is okay to have a health issue it's okay to have a concern with your penis it's okay to have a sexual issue it doesn't necessarily say anything about you but if it continues to bother you and it continues to be something that is causing you an immense amount of distress then it is something to seek out care for and support for so speaking of, of stress, right, you, you have really driven home the point of how detrimental stress is, of how badly stress can affect us. And I guess on the one hand, we need stress. Cortisol is there for a reason. It does. It is oh, yeah, yeah. an important hormone in our body. But long-term, high levels of cortisol are not good for anything, really. I mean, and to kind of bring in the last two years because they've been pretty high stress for most people. And I would say at this stage now, there's no one that isn't affected or hasn't been affected by the pandemic. What, is, what have you been seeing with your patients in terms of their stress and how it's affected their penile health and their sexual health in the last couple of years? Yeah. We always say that the biggest sex organ is the brain because without that, you're not going to be, I mean, even these nocturnal erections, they're not for sex. They don't actually last. You have a nocturnal erection. They're not supposed to be for sex. The reflexogenics are there, but the biggest sex organ is the brain. And all, any impact on the way you understand your sexuality, your relationships, your interactions, your work activities, the way the sun is setting, whether it's raining every day, it impacts on your sexuality as well, because the point is you need it's 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 when you feel sexually stimulated, it's an all-encompassing thing. It's very important. It's so good for your health. But if you are having any sort of qualms about what you're trying to do, it's going to impact on your sexuality. So this whole the last two years have been a roller coaster, of course, but it's been going on for millennia to be honest that we've got guys particularly who are not comfortable with their sexuality or they are, are, are overthinking about how they should be sexually active comparing it to other people i always say that there are only two sexual problems that i think that exist one of them uh, is if you take someone by force which is rape and the second is almost exactly the same which is taking a child but if everyone got their fetishes otherwise 
if you have a relationship with anybody and they're you're consenting, whether it be from a fetish like a patient of mine who had a fetish because the he could only ejaculate because when there was a red letter next to his wife's face and she thought it was disgusting. And so, but and so they hadn't had a kid, but now I told her, listen, I think this stiletto is okay. I don't think it has a problem with this. And they've got two kids. So I'm pretty sure there's a stiletto involved somewhere. <laughs> but similarly, I mean, to the next extent, I mean, even some people, the asphyxiation can be dangerous. But if you're consenting, you're consenting. And that's why it's important for you to base your sexuality on what you feel comfortable with. Because there's nobody out there doesn't find something more sexually stimulating than something else. But if you're spending all your time trying to compare yourself to the average porn movie or something, which, by the way, if, if people don't know that the average 15-minute porn movie takes between three and three and a half days to make. And of course, I'm sure the, the, the producers aren't going to Photoshop and make the penis look bigger than the standard of, of men. Your sex life is fine. You talk to your partners. Talk to yourself if you're in a, if you don't want to have a partner. Take care of yourself. Don't be wasting it on the stressing of what other people are doing. This, that, the other. Take care of your general health. Yeah, the the partner thing is is pretty massive, right? And I've I've done an episode this season with Avery Spilker on kink and how if it is safe, it is sane. If it's consensual, and a, a red stiletto ticks all of those boxes it's safe it's sane and it's consensual there's nothing wrong with it it's normal it's okay to have those proclivities and those interests but for for men to to let me let me choose my words here but for men to shift out of that idea of sex as hard and fast and you know i had a colleague say and i think she's heard it somewhere before that if you're going to learn sex from porn it's like trying to learn how to drive from the fast and the furious it's yeah. a big problem yeah. so big problem. The, the 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 kind of status quo from sex and porn is hard and fast you know mm-hmm. especially in, in heterosexual relationships how do we how do we get men to to soften that to step aside from that to actually allow themselves to connect with the the more intimate, emotive side of sex rather than just the physical sensations and the motion in the ocean. Wham, bam, wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah, I think, we again, we need to get rid of this concept of what sexuality is for each person. If you're in a heterosexual relationship, remember that the average guy, just as an example, the average guy, uh, American data, but uh, it's that the average guy will uh, ejaculate within three and a half and five minutes of penetration. Uh, we Africans like to pretend like we're not, yeah, it's all much of a much. If you're in a heterosexual relationship, females, first of all, as I said, guys, our prime sexuality is 18 to 22 years. After that, we all start going down a bit, wear and tear. Females, their prime sexuality is between 41 and 45 years. Can I tell the listeners why that is, actually? Yeah. It's, it's got very little to do with physiological function and very, very much to do with how women view their bodies. They become more accepting of their bodies at that age and they care less at that age and they're more able to assert their needs to partners at that age. So I let you carry on. That's, 
there we go. And that's the whole point. It's, it's about a lot more than just the penis and the vagina. It's about your own acceptance of your own sexuality as well. But another useful piece of information, if you are in a heterosexual, heterosexual relationship, only 20% of females will get orgasm from penetrative sex alone. 20%. 80% don't. Yep. What do they need? Touching, kissing, foreplay. And foreplay is not just about your tongue and fingering or whatever. It's flowers a month ago. It's a dinner. It's a discussion. It's I'm so glad you were saying this. I'm so glad you were saying this, not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is data, darling. This is data. But I'm just saying, but it's so important for us to remember that it's not just about putting a penis inside a vagina or an anus or whatever. It's about the whole experience that you're having. And that is why you have to take care of your partner if you're in a relationship but also take care of yourself by making sure that your mental health is in a good space so that you can make sure that you are taking care of not only yourself, but your partner. But discussion, talk, 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 talk. Each person is different. You don't know what the fetishes of your partner are unless you ask what they want. And fetishes, by, not, by definition, don't mean it's a bad thing. Again, if it's not, like you just said, if it's not going to be hurting people, it's fine. You can do whatever you like, upside down. I mean, the Kama Sutra, what, 74 different ways. Uh, my favorite is the reverse flying Chinese duck style, but, but that's, uh, that's for another day. <laughs> we might need to do an episode on the reverse flying Chinese duck style. <laughs> I have to say, this is the first time as a sexologist I've heard of that, and, and we might need to delve into an episode where we talk about it. It's in the Kama Sutra. It's in the Kama Sutra. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so yeah, just, just whatever, whatever your interests are, whatever turns you on, Assuming you're not hurting anybody, assuming you've got someone else's permission to do it if there's somebody else involved, yeah. and assuming that it's some it's a safe thing to do, there's no harm that could come to you or someone else. Really, it's about expressing those desires and those fantasies. Oh, yeah. And I yeah, I'll and always say to clients, just always just start small. Don't dive in head first and tell your partner that you're into flying Chinese duck. <laughs> That's cool. And be like, could we could we bring a chair? In? there you uh, go and so on and so forth so just just start small and and build up from that and just test the waters but being curious in your in your conversation this is what turns me on what about you yeah gets gets really gets the conversation going so yeah and and it makes such a big difference because the thing is that people think that they're having great sex but if they haven't talked or haven't discussed you don't know and it makes such an impact on your sexual health and general health just to have a discussion. What do you like? Do it. And then you'll suddenly, you'll find that you're probably enjoying yourself even more as well. So just make the most of everything. And I, I think this is the crazy thing, right? I've always said that everybody is always just going ahead and doing it. No one's ever just talking about it. And mm. yet talking about it can actually be so sexy and can oh, be yeah. so arousing and can be so oh, yeah. rewarding from an intimate perspective. As we kind of come to our time together, I, I want to jump back to a point that you made because I, I really I really want to just delve into this, especially from your perspective, which is about penis size. Because there's such a massive, massive thing for men that exists around penis. Yeah. yeah. I'll start again by saying, guys, your penis is fine. 
Okay, there's no issues with it. All right, I've been working with men's sexual health. I've, I do operations. I've done penile enlargements. Thirty-three years. I've done it eight times. I've counted for a couple of reasons. One and only well, the only one reason why I've done it is for patients who have intersex, and they have both male and female, and they were going preferred to be the male. I've done it for them. I tell my fellows, if you don't like one of your colleagues, send a penile enlargement to them. The reason being that of all, all medical conditions, all medical procedures, orthopedics, whatever, the most litigated is penile enlargement. Hmm. 75% of guys who have, go for a penile enlargement will sue their doctor. The reason, it's a mess in the head. Your penis is normal. We've got, we know that they, and I mean, you can see yourself in the bathroom. Oh, it's a bit slim. I was like that Seinfeld episode where George says, no, I was in the pool. It's got shrinkage. Of course you get shrinkage. The, pool, the, co- the pool's cold. It's cold. It's cold. So why you don't stress your penis? And you're, if you're in the bathroom and doing whatever, you're checking out the other, you've seen your penis is fine. Your penis is fine. And I'll tell you that a lot of the things that people go out, they want to go, everyone likes the, the idea of a pill to fix everything. There's no pill that's going to make your penis bigger if you really want it bigger, even though it's not going to, it, 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 it's about how you use it. You can have the biggest penis in the world, but if you're knocking somebody on the head with it, it's a problem. Relax, use it. It's appropriate. Okay, it's appropriate. It's fine. Right. Uh, that doesn't seem safe saying or well, penis. <laughs> fortunately, the penises are not that hard, actually. They're a little bit silly. Even though we think they're hard, they're not that hard. They can be knocked around here and there. Uh, but there are, only th- there are only three things that can, three medically proven ways you can increase your penis size. And again, it goes back to the way you think. First of all, it's to, to uh, the operation, which is essentially where we cut the ligament just at the base of the penis, which makes the penis stand upwards. And then because half of the penis is buried underneath the bone that you can feel there called the pubic bone, we can pull back forward some of it. So when it's flaccid, when it's down, it'll look a bit bigger. But when it's enlarged, it doesn't make much of a difference. We can also inject fat. I imagine that yeah. a lot of men listening to this episode will have just stopped listening. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. good. They, they, Horror, they shouldn't do this. They that. shouldn't do this. They shouldn't like, do this. Don't do it. You don't need don't to do, do it. it. Don't do it. Huh? Yeah, we can also make it a bit thicker by injecting fat, but it looks a bit lumpy. And of course, we can damage the blood vessels when we're doing that. And you're out of action for anywhere up to two, three months. And then when you get an erection, it's not going to stand upwards anymore. It's going to be forward like this. So you'll be using tables or something. I guess I don't know. Bad news, bad news, don't do it. Second, and we use them these things a lot for a specific type of condition called Cordy, where there's a bend in the penis and then you can't penetrate because of it's usually caused by something called Peyronie's disease. That's a condition and we do. There's a specific type of brace that you can buy on the internet that you put on and it's sort of like braces for the teeth. You put it one end at the top, one at the bottom and every day you just extend it a bit. It does make the penis go a bit bigger as well. But again, the worry is that you have to wear this thing, which is a bulge in your trousers, for eight hours a day. You're walking around to work with this bulge. If it's just for enlargement, I think you have to be careful. Again, just relax, okay? And the third one is even more dangerous. Uh, There's a specific condition called high flow priapism, where there's an increased blood flow to the penis. And there's the common one is where you have poor blood flow and it damages the penis. But there's one where if you have a straddle injury, fall on your, your perineum, 
it can cause a damage to your blood vessels. So you get a connection between the arteries and the veins and that increases oxygen flow and that'll increase your penis size. But first of all, it's, you don't want to have a straddle injury. You can get ruptured to your, your pipe for passing urine. There's lots, and there's no guarantee that it'll actually cause you to get this fistula. It's like, it's almost it rarely ever happens. So relax. Your penis is fine. Find a way of using it appropriately with whatever sexual activity you're comfortable with. And if you're in a relationship, talk to your partner, find out what they want and you'll find a way. I think the biggest culprit here is, is, is the comparison again that we spoke about earlier and porn, unfortunately, you know, it's the worst form of sexual education and the worst place to take a comparative point from they, you know, porn stars are hired based on their penis size. And that goes for women as well. They're hired based on their breast size and but they also enhance they also do enhancements yeah, and absolutely and, enhancements and the, you know anal bleaching and all of these things it's yeah. they're acting it's acting it's not real sex so so when you say relax in 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 kind of my language i want to say to men is it worth is it worth the anxiety and the stress that comes with that worry and how that's going to impact your ability to actually enjoy sex. Is it really oh, yeah. worth worrying so much about the size of your penis? And instead, could you shift your focus to what enjoyment and pleasure do I get from my penis, no matter the size? What experiences can I have alone or with a partner or with many partners that brings me pleasure, that helps me yeah. feel connected and close? And we also know that research tells us that men value intimate connection as much as women oh, yeah. In oh, yeah. sexual experiences. So this, this kind of stereotypical masculine, just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, is also mm-hmm. very outdated. It's, it's, yeah. it's very heteronormative and very outdated. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so, so much. We, we really delved into so much. And I guess if there's anything else you think we need to touch on. One last thing, because you did comment on porn as being, it is very false. And there's Photoshopping and everything about sizes. But porn is fine. You can enjoy it. Don't be stressing as long as it's not making you stressed. So if you're thinking that this person's penis is making you so big, I'm not stressed. Porn can be great as well. Masturbation is great. It's mm-hmm. good for your health. The only difference between intimate sex and that is that you don't have the intimacy. Yeah. Make sure you take good care of your sexual health and you protect yourself from heart attacks, strokes, loss of limb, cancer, and you'll live longer. Hmm. so interesting learning from you and and you and I think so similarly in in terms of you know what what men and women need to know when it comes to sexual health and sexual functioning and um it's it's so important for me you know I'll often say to my clients especially my male clients I'm speaking to you from a position of uh, of of theoretical experience I'm not speaking to you from a position of lived experience so for me to talk to you a male about these Mm. concerns, but also a male who also has the theoretical expertise, not just the lived experience expertise. It's incredibly valuable. So thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. And I I think what everyone must remember is that everybody's experiences, we're all learning from each other. So make sure that even when you go out, talk to your friends or your partner, whatever, they're going to teach you something. You're going to teach them something. And as I always say to my fellows, the only stupid question is the one you haven't asked. Ask a question. Find somebody. Find you, Katrina, because you have the experience to talk. 
find somebody to have a question. If there's a question that you're not sure about, do it and see what happens. Exactly. I really think that the take-home message is is don't avoid it. If something bothers you, get it seen too. But prioritize your own sexual health above above all. Are you curious about sexuality and want to learn more? Well, you can learn much more from me on several platforms. On my website, you can find short online courses to expand your knowledge, either as a member of the public or as a healthcare provider. And if you want a comprehensive sex education that you really should have had but likely never got, then check out my three-hour class on mymastery.tv where you can buy my single class for as little as 145 Rand or $13. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be grateful if you could rate and review this podcast so that you can continue learning about some incredible and fascinating topics and get the information about sex you should always have had. You can subscribe and follow this podcast on your favorite platform.